Hey there, thank you for listening to the Retire Ready To Podcast. I am your host, Renee Collins, CPA Financial Planner, and my goal is to bring to the table conversations around money that we wish we had when we were growing up, to share stories that will educate and uplift and inspire you to want to save more, invest smart, and build wealth, and not just for today, but for the next generation as well because we all deserve to live a life that is full and abundant. This week on the Retire Ready To podcast, our guest contributor will discuss tips to navigate the home buying process. She is Nia Adams, the founder and creator of Perspectives, a personal finance education brand transforming women from struggling and stressed to empowered about money so they can achieve financial stability. She is the author of Life is Short by the House, the ultimate guide to prepare for home ownership and the 30-day money challenge. As a single mother, she faced many financial obstacles that caused her to mismanage money, max out credit cards. She simply did not make money matters a priority. Since changing her perspective about money, she bought her first home at the age of 27, paid her way through undergraduate, and she also paid off $50,000 in debt. She uses her own story to educate and her own experiences to help individuals of all ages with money tools and resources. She is a speaker, a finfluencer, a real estate investor, and a two-time author. Nia is a lifelong resident of Chicago, a certified financial education instructor, as well as holding an MBA in finance from Keller Graduate School of Management. And she also attended Chicago State University, where she obtained her Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration. Hey, Nia, how you doing? I'm good, girl. How you doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. So I want to say thank you for agreeing to be a guest on the Retire Ready to podcast. And I want to start off by just asking you to introduce yourself. And can you share with the listeners your story, your money story? Let me say thank you for having me. Thank you for having me on your show. Like, I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, my story. Ooh, um, <laughs> <laughs> my story is an interesting one. I'm a Chicago resident. I grew up the third child to a single mother who my mother was 17 when she had me. So mm-hmm. naturally, I just didn't really learn a lot about money. I didn't learn about it. You know, she didn't have time. She was working, you know, trying to make sure she, we had a roof and food on, a, on the table. Right. So I ended up having to navigate on my own. I also became a single parent at 17. So every financial mistake you can think of, I have probably made. I've just, I've done it all. I've been evicted uh, from my first apartment, lost my first house. I just, I, I did all the wrongs. And so I used that energy, you know, learn, sat down, self-corrected, and really just learn to change my relationship with money and do better about money and look at it from a perspective of it being a tool for mm-hmm. me. When I start to use it that way, I've just I've just done so much better. As I say, get my got my life right with money. So since then, 
I became a real estate investor now, paid off $50,000 in debt, and I use a lot of that to help others so that they can achieve financial stability. Excellent, excellent. That's great, Nia. I think the hardest thing with having a healthy relationship with money is taking that first step. How do you, how did you know? Because there are people who they may make a mistake and they just, they have a hard time reeling back from that mistake so that they can get their finances on the right path. What did you do? I mean, did you have someone in your life that was providing guidance? Were you doing a lot of reading or was it just a aha moment when you said, you know what, something here has to change? So it was a combination of a few things. Uh, One, being a single parent, I know that I wanted my daughter to not have the life that I had. I grew up in poverty. I grew up in urban areas with a lot of crime, food deserts, not a lot of resources and things, killings regularly. Like many of my friends who went to grammar school with me are no longer here. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just didn't really want that life for her. So part of it was survival. Mm -hmm. Um, There was no Google or YouTube university. So I had to get books. I had to purchase physical books, wait for them to come or go into the bookstore. Right, right. Old school. (laughs) (laughs) That I could read. So I started reading a lot of books. Her suggested some books. I would love to say that it was an aha moment and I just did it and I got it right. But no, it was not that simple. I started to do a little bit better, but I still fumbled along the way. And then I got myself back up. And I think the important thing to remember is you're going to make financial mistakes, especially if you didn't learn when you were younger. Like, don't beat yourself up. How were you supposed to know? You're beating yourself up about information that you weren't taught. So it's no way that you would know. You just have to learn. So I kind of learned on a trial and error. And I get so tired of hitting the bumps in the road. It's like, okay. And as you continue to educate yourself, and learn. And then you surround yourself with other people who are looking to do better about themselves. That is what I believe I can say kind of helped me. Absolutely. I agree because I always tell people that long before I had any letters behind my name, I learned about finances through trial and fire. And that's how I think a lot of us learn. We try something, it didn't work. And we feel like, okay, I need to make an adjustment here. And that's basically the process. But I think that first step is just deciding that I need to do something different. I think that's the first step is making that decision that there has to be a better way. And I think that when you're on this journey, one, you do have to recognize that it is a journey and it's going to take some time and you're not alone. Because many of us did not have those conversations around the dinner table about money. So we learned as we went along, as we lived our lives, we made those mistakes, we adjusted, like you said, self-correct, and then we kept moving. I think that's important for people to understand that you're not on this journey by yourself and whatever you are on your journey, you can get to the other side. I couldn't agree with you more. Being able to travel... And I'm deciding, oh, I want to go here. I want to do this. I went to Colombia in 2021 for two weeks and city hopped just to practice Spanish. Mm, like, nice. The ability to be able to do that, it hits different when you know that you didn't always have it. I think that 
another thing that people have to realize is it's partially an experiment because there's no such thing as cookie cutter solution. So what worked for mm -hmm. one person might not work for you. Absolutely. It's going to take you getting to know yourself and like you said, trial by fire and figuring out, okay, I tried this, this didn't work for me. Let me try something different. Instead of trying one thing and then that doesn't work, now you give up on it as a whole. Like, no, this is an investment in you. That's so right. You gotta, you gotta give it another try. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And keep trying. If it doesn't work, keep trying. And if it doesn't work, keep trying. <laughs> You're worth it. You're worth it. You trying. are worth it. That is so true. And so with that said, you're also worth building wealth. And one of the best ways to build wealth is through home ownership. So I want Nia to talk about that process. I read her book, it is Life is Short, Buy the House. And you can get it on Amazon. I'm also going to have a link to the book in the show notes. But I read it and I loved it. It actually took me back to the first time that I purchased my home. So, Nia, what I'd like for you to do is just talk about that home buying process. The biggest thing I think about the home buying process is a lot of people jump into it having no clue what expect they have no idea the the i don't even the road trip that they are yes. about to go <laughs> they have no idea how many people or different things will be a part of this process it's going to be it can be a frustrating process so i want people and i've dedicated myself to helping people prepare their finances for home ownership most of the time you go to a home buyer education they'll have a credit specialist there and absolutely you need to make sure that your credit is good because you might need to leverage it later as well as you'll need it to get the home loan but what about making sure you can afford the house that you're buying come on you need to make sure you can afford the house that you're buying you're going to have to move after you're going to eventually need furniture like people jump into home ownership and they don't do these things so yes i wrote a book and it's the ultimate guide to prepare for home ownership so i think it's five things that people really need to do in order to prepare for home ownership one thing of course is you're going to build an emergency fund this emergency fund is going to have more than your down payment it'll have money for a down payment when you're buying a house you also have closing costs which is an array of fees that you need to pay as a part of the process Remember when I just said there's a lot of people, there's a part of this process where they're not in this for fun. They're all getting paid. So that closing cost is going to include a lot of those payments that will go to all of those different entities that are a part of this transaction. So you want to make sure you have enough money for those things. Make sure you can move in the house after you close on it. Um, and make sure you have money for repairs and replacements because you don't know what yes. you might replace once you're actually in the home and you don't want to foreclose on your property because you had to choose between a furnace and your mortgage. That's right. not. So then you want to work to eliminate debt. Now, when you're purchasing a house, eliminating debt is important because the lender is going to look at how much debt you have to decide if you can afford to pay their mortgage back. If you have a lot of debt already, that's going to have them side eyeing you like, hmm, how are they going to pay me? So because that's let's be honest, that's what the lender is looking through your application for. They're right. looking for them. what's in it for me? How are they going to do what they're doing and still be able to pay me back this money that I'm giving them? So you want to work to eliminate the debt that has the highest claim on your paycheck, because the amount of money that you have available after you pay bills helps you. Because if you have bills eating up your entire check, it helps you not qualify for as much house. 
Right. So you make a great income, but if you have a lot of things that you're paying, when you get that income that's swallowing it up, you won't qualify it for as much and you might miss out on a really great home that you like. So the next thing you're going to do is work to build your home buying dream team. Your home buying dream team is your realtor, your home inspector, your loan officer, your attorney. You don't want to pick them just because your cousin used them because your cousin might have a different situation and might be purchasing for a different reason. Some realtors are great for investors. Some realtors are not. So you want to see and learn, find their social medias, stalk them on social media, learn about them and their brand before you jump into this big, long you know, process with them. So right. you want to learn and build your dream team. So when you're starting to prepare, you can start looking for your dream team at that point. Don't wait all the way until now you're ready. So now you just have to jump into bed with these people because mm -hmm. they're going to have you sign different contracts and things. For example, your realtor has a contract that you sign that makes you locked into them where you have to purchase with them. So I want to do some research before I guarantee I'm going to make a purchase from someone. Right. So this is the things you want to think about. Then next, you're going to research the actual loan products that might be out there available to you. So do your research. What, what is a FHA loan? What is the conventional loan? Are those the only loans available? What are the terms of those different loans? Learning this empowers you during your home buying process. It also helps you choose the best loan product that works for you. Everybody yells down payment assistance programs, but you have to be mindful. A lot of down payment assistance programs has requirements. They have higher credit scores they require. Sometimes they have where well, you have to stay in the property for a certain period of time. Otherwise, you owe some of that money back. So you need to find all this information out before you take their money. Right. So why you want to do your own research and learn more about this process so you're educated that's one of the reasons that i wrote the book and then lastly but you know obviously not least you want to create a budget Ooh, are you yes in your current bills if you're not comfortably paying your current bills you cannot afford a mortgage that's more than what you're currently paying so you have to look and see are you currently living above your means or below your means and i know people are like well, what does that mean well, you have to find out what you have to decide if you're living above it or below it, because that tells you what you can afford. Because you're, when you go to apply for a loan, your lender is going to give you a letter to tell you, oh, okay, you qualify to purchase this much house. But that's really none of your business because you have things that you have to pay for that that lender doesn't know. They're right. looking at your credit report, but they don't know you got to pay for soccer practice. You got a band recital coming up. You like to go to Punta Cana for your annual trip with your girl. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> got your annual bicentennial coming up. There you go. You don't know that, but you know you want to go. And you know you don't want to be a hermit stuck in your house because all your money is going to your house and you're trying to get your pennies worth. So you want to think about these things before you move into the house so you can buy something that's affordable for you. And of course, you know, along with budgeting, you want to work in on your credit to make sure that your score is high enough. I personally recommend a 640 just because it qualifies you for more things. As I said before, some down payment assistance programs require higher scores in order for you to receive their funds, as well as when it comes to conventional loans, your higher credit score will help you get a lower interest rate. Absolutely. So I know that was helpful, but, <laughs> but you know what, it's, I think it's also very important that people understand this process. Buying a home is going to be one of the largest purchases that most people are going to make in their lifetime. And I think that it's worth it to read 
Nia's book and to really understand what this process is about. And I jotted down some notes to some things that I want to just come back to and touch on. And one is closing costs, because I think oftentimes people don't realize that, okay, I got to come up with this down payment. And in addition to that, I have to come up with closing costs. And Mm -hmm. I want people to understand that you can negotiate your closing costs as well, especially if you're working with a broker. So don't be afraid to speak up and go through that statement that they give you. Nia, what's the name of that statement? The closing disclosure. The dis- the closing disclosure. Go through that statement, and if there's anything on there that you don't understand, bring it to your lender's attention or your broker and just say, hey, what is this? Negotiate some of those things. Some of those things on there can be negotiated. And then that's a, that's a very good point. Ask questions. So the closing yes. disclosure. The loan estimate, those are a part of like the closing paperwork. By law, you're supposed to receive them three days before you close. So that's on purpose. The law did that on purpose. So you have a time to review those documents before you finally sit down at that table and sign it your life away. You should not be seeing those documents for the first time at the closing table. Right. Absolutely. You should have saw those documents before you sat there so that you had the opportunity, as she said, to ask questions. Know that you are empowered in this process. You are the one who's going to be married to this mortgage, not the lender, not the realtor, the attorney, none of them. So be empowered to ask questions and take control of your transaction. Absolutely. And I just want to add that while you you have a team and hopefully you have a good team in place, understand that you are not that you are not the only client that that realtor has, that their attorney has. And so it's possible that they may miss something. So again, speak up. This is your mortgage. You're going to be signing and you want to make sure that you understand every single thing that you're signing. A good attorney, when they're sitting down with you at the closing table, they're going to go over those documents page by page by page. And granted, you may not be able to change any of those documents once you sit at that closing table because they are pretty much standard documents. You do want to make sure you understand what they are because it's important. And then the other thing that I wanted to add is with regards to the the realtor and just your team in general is that choose your team carefully because you want people who have time for you. You want to make sure that you're working with people who understand that if you are a first-time home buyer, that you may need some hand-holding and you want them to have the patience to hold your hand. I think that's very important. And I think that people should interview their team members. Don't just go with the first realtor or the first attorney that someone gives you. Interview them and make sure that you feel comfortable asking them questions. And if you don't, or if they feel irritated, you need a new team member. Exactly. (laughs) It's time to go. So yeah, that's very important. I completely agree. I actually have some questions that you can, you know, things to look for, questions you can ask different lenders in the book, because you should know that you should be shopping for lenders. Right. You do not have to go with the first lender that you talk to. And when they tell you that these are the documents that you need in order to qualify for that loan, they're not lying to you. They're telling you the truth, but they're only telling you what applies to their bank and their lender. 
you might talk to another loan officer that works better for your financial situation and can get you a better loan product. So you got to learn about the loan products so that you can do the shopping process and find out which lender has a loan product that you like. Right, exactly. And ask a lot of questions. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again because that's very, very important. And I also want to talk about repairs. You talked about those repairs and maintenance. Let me tell you, I'll share you share my story with you. Shortly after I purchased my home, and actually I'm going to rewind a little bit because one of the things we did not talk about is that home inspection because that's also a part of the process. And I want people to understand that you want to get a home inspection. Even when we're in a competitive home buying market, you want to make sure that you get a home inspection. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal, and this was actually probably about maybe two years ago, when the market was really at its height. And there were people who were waving the home inspection, and then they get into the home and they find out, I think in one case, the lady had like a beehive or something, just bees under her eaves, and she had to spend thousands upon thousands, I'm talking like 15, 20,000 to get rid of these bees that were nestled under like her, her, her eaves or something in such a way that it wasn't easy for them to get rid of. And that's something that I believe a home inspection would have, would have revealed. So be sure to get a home inspection and then understand that yes, FHA, if you go FHA, if you go VA, they are going to require a home inspection, but that's to meet their requirements. That's a completely different home inspection. Get your own home inspection. So I'm, I just want to make sure that I put that out there because know that when we are in these competitive environments, people just want, they get emotional. They find a house that they like, they get excited, and they just want to go out there and get that home. Ooh, whoosha. <laughs> so you know? Very good point. And that's also one of the reasons why you want to save for more than just a down payment. You have other things that you will have to pay for throughout this process. You will have to get an appraisal on that house. You will have to get in a home inspection. And there's no guarantee you will only need that one home inspection. That's right. You might need another home inspection because they did repairs. You might need a termite inspection because in that's the neighborhood true. that you're purchasing your house, termites are very popular in that neighborhood. So you need to make sure that they're not in your house. You might need a radon inspection. You might need a lead inspection. Like it's just so many different things that you might need depending on what house you are purchasing. And that small fee can save you as we see, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. I'll exactly. take a five hundred dollar fee over a twenty thousand dollar fee any day by myself. Absolutely. Personally. And the so other like thing that the other thing I'm gonna to share too is that because I didn't even get to my story yet. I'm gonna share two things just based on my own experience with buying my first home. And the one thing was you talked about the repairs and maintenance. I mean, literally shortly after I moved into my house, my washer and dryer broke. Washer and dryer broke. And I had put everything I had into buying the home. So here I am, single mom. I don't have a washer and dryer. I had to go to the laundromat for about three months until I could save up some more money <laughs> to buy a washer and dryer. You want to account for those things because 
we want everything to go perfectly as planned, but that rarely happens. And so we have to plan for the worst and then we hope for the best. But at least if you have extra money sitting in the account, you can say, okay, if something happens, I can afford to pay for this repair. Nia, is there anything else that you want to add, such as right now we are in this peculiar environment? We're in this environment where the interest rates are high and the home prices are high. And typically, if interest rates go up, then the home prices would typically go down. So when you're talking to people and you're counseling them about this market, what are you telling them? Are you telling them that, yes, it's still a good time to buy? Or what are you saying to the people who are still interested in becoming homeowners? So no matter the market, the only person that can determine if it's a good time for you to buy is you. Mm -hmm. I personally don't believe in blanket statements to say that, yes, this is a good time to buy or no, this is not a good time to buy. Because it doesn't matter if the loan, if the rate was 1.5, if you don't have any emergency fund, you have all these bills eating up your finances, it's still not a good time to buy for you and the interest rate is beautiful. So nobody can decide when it's a good time to buy than you when you analyze your finances and see if home ownership is for you now with the current state of the the market yes interest rates are high home prices have started to go down but when i say they were moving down like molasses they were not moving with any type of sense of urgency at all they they did not mm -hmm. move so that's a hard situation what some people would say is date the rate married a mortgage, which basically means that you will purchase the house while the house price is lower. And then you will, um, whenever the interest rate drops, you can refinance the house. But one good point that you want to think about with that, again, you're going to need to have your finances in order. When you refinance that house, it won't be as full of a process that you went through to purchase the house initially but it's gonna be some of the same important factors. You're gonna to have to have some money saved up because you're still gonna have payments and things that you will need to pay in order to refinance. Yeah. Your credit's going to still be good because you're gonna to need to refinance and get a rate. Um, and then you mentioned FHA. So FHA, yes, wonderful program. But what you have to remember is FHA is not the one giving you the money. That's a subsidized federal program. The people who are actually giving you the money are the banks based on the FHA guidelines. So a lot of times those banks add their own rules because I don't give a what you say. If I'm giving out my money, I'm going to set the rules for right. why and how I'm going to give my money out. So a lot of banks add their own things to it that might be a little bit higher or more strict or stricter than the FHA guidelines. Those are called overlays. So that's another reason why you want to shop for your mortgage. So essentially when determining, is it a good time to buy? Is it not a good time to buy? It's going to depend on what your current income is, your ability to increase your income. I personally can't predict, oh, in three months, the market's going to crash. You consistently hear that the market's going to crash. I personally been hearing the market's going to crash for two years. I'm still waiting. Right. It has not crashed yet. So- right. It's hard to predict things like that because the whole purpose of raising the interest rate is to get people to stop shopping. Nobody right. has stopped shopping. So the rate is not going to go down as long as people are still out here and just throwing it in the bag. 
Right, exactly. And I think one of the good points that you talked about is the whole idea of refinancing. So I want to talk about fixed rate mortgages versus adjustable rate mortgages because oftentimes people will try to get into that adjustable rate mortgage because it's a little bit lower than the fixed rate with that idea that they are going to refinance at some point in time. Again, we're saying we can predict the future and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Nia, can you talk a little bit about those different types of interest rates? So yeah, so a fixed rate mortgage basically means that for a typical home loan is for 30 years. Right. That means during that full 30 years, if your rate, if your interest rate was 5%, it's going to be 5% at a fixed rate that full 30 years. A lot of, I've seen it myself on social media and a lot of lenders are recommending that people take adjustable rate mortgages. So an adjustable rate means just that your rate adjust and you have to be careful with those. That's one of the things that participated in the 2008 with the whole crash because a lot of people took on those adjustable rate mortgages and they were not prepared when the rate started adjusting right because the rate the rate gonna keep adjusting so that's one thing that you have to be aware of and you don't have control over that rate adjustment the second thing you want to be aware of if if you're buying it with the intent to refinance again are your finances on point because if your finances are not on point it's going to be hard for you to refinance out of that loan that you are in and if the interest rates don't go down and they still continue to go up guess what? So you have to have your exit plan and have already thought out, okay, if I'm going to take this adjustable rate mortgage, if the rate goes up, am I able to handle that rate going up? Because if the rates don't go down, you won't be refinancing out of that adjustable rate. So you have to be careful of the situation that you're putting yourself in. And for this reason, you also don't want to buy. Like, so if the, when you go to apply for a house, the lender is going to give you a pre-approval letter and they're going to give you an amount, like I said, that tells you, say they say you qualify for 500000 You do not want to buy a $495,000 house and you qualify for 500000 want to leave yourself wiggle room and make yourself comfortable is the point because getting an adjustable rate mortgage is kind of playing a little Russian roulette. It's kind of gambling because you don't know what the rate is going to adjust to. And if the interest rates keep cracking up, what is it going to adjust to when they finally adjust if your interest rates are still going up? So I say be careful with adjustable rate mortgages. Of course, it's all based on your finances, how comfortable you are with your new mortgage payment and how your ability to pay that mortgage rate increases. I'm going to have to ditto on that. I think that is so important and just to make sure that you read the fine print. So if you're in an arm, it's basically what we call it, an adjustable rate mortgage, understand when does that rate reset so that you can make sure that you're getting your finances in order if that is necessary. Arms personally make me nervous. When I purchased my first home, it was with an adjustable rate mortgage. And this was back in like 1992. And I could not wait until I got out of that mortgage because it just made me nervous. The idea that that rate could go up and it was something I had absolutely no control over. Make sure you understand at what point it could go up 
because they have them um, like what maybe one year five years different right yeah yeah they're, they're all different so just understand what it is that you're getting yourself into and the other thing that i want to talk about is condos and townhomes Woo! nia come on girl give so us made a tiktok about this the other day and it got like ten thousand views because wow that people are very interested in so when you are purchasing with any type of entity that has a homeowners association and i recently found out in florida it's a little bit more tricky to do this but you want to make sure that that homeowners association is financially sound yes now what do i mean by that you want to make sure that your homeowners association are not living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. and them living paycheck means that they have no money sitting in their account to pay for any unexpected expense that the community or the condo building or whatever incurs which means if something happens they're going to look to you your the owners of the community to pay for it. you're going to get a special assessment which right. is special assessment it basically means you'll still have your homeowners association dues and you'll have an additional payment that you'll have to pay that'll be specifically to take care of whatever that new thing is which will happen sometimes but you do not want to be experiencing this because they weren't managing their money correctly running the homeowners association's finances is similar to running a business's mm-hmm. finances you want to make sure that they have enough money in there to cover expenses you want to make sure that they are financially sound that is a one good thing that your attorney can help you do but this is dependent upon what market you live in so i recently learned that in florida if you need to put 10 percent down to in order for the bank to be able to look at the finances of the now i don't know about if you use an attorney or not these are the reasons why you have to do your research because there are 50 states all of them have some things that are a little bit different when it comes to their rules, their laws, and real estate transactions. This is why one of my preparation steps I say is do your research. Learn what your market does, what things you have to do that you're essentially signing up for. So you want to be careful of that with homeowners associations. And then you want to find out the rules. So for example, maybe you want to put it on Airbnb. Maybe you decide you want to move somewhere else for a few years and then come back. Does the rules and the bylaws say that it's okay for you to do that? Because if it doesn't, guess what? You just signed a paper saying that you can't for the 30 years that you have that prop, you know, have that property. So you want to make sure you're reading the agreements that you have to stand by. You want to make sure that the homeowners association is financially sound. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And the other thing that I am going to add is that when we're talking about financially sound, ask questions about the roof. When was the last time the roof was inspected? Other improvements, HVAC. These are all the things that the the homeowners association takes care of. So understanding these factors and making sure that there's some reserves in their bank account, that's really important. And the other thing that I want to just stress is that ask about the other homeowners. Are they current with their association dues? I had a friend who was going to buy a townhome and he found out that it was something crazy like 20 to 25% of the homeowners were behind 
in their dues and paying their dues. And the banks were like, nope, we're not going to lend to any anyone purchasing a home where, or I should say a town home, where the the homeowners are behind in their HOAs. You know, they wouldn't do it. And so that's another thing to think about. And the other thing that I'm going to add to that is the more amenities that you have, the higher the cost. What I've seen in practice is that if you got doormen, you got pools, you have elevators, all of that stuff adds an additional layer of cost to your HOA fees. And that's very true. And you have to think about it because I actually, we had this conversation the other day. I don't know about you, but I'll take paying $35 and actually physically having to go to the gym rather than paying an additional $35,000 on my house just to have access to the gym and pool in my building. Exactly. Because how long is it going to take that $35 to equal $35,000? It's going to take a long time. (laughs) To me, that's a better use of my money. I mean, I'm going to work out and be active. I can take some extra steps of going physically to the gym. So these are the type of things you want to think about when you're considering what property you want to purchase at. Absolutely. Though this has been great. Nia, is there anything else that you want to add? Is there anything else that you think that you do? Okay, go ahead, hon. So when you go to purchase a house, usually the bank will hire an appraiser. The bank will hire somebody who will come to tell you the value of the house. You will have to fit the bill for it, but the bank is not going to give you money for a house that they have no idea how much this house is worth on the market. Because if you are purchasing a house for $200,000 and then the bank sends an appraiser out to that house, let's say that house appraises for $170,000, which means it appraised for less than what you are buying it for. The bank is not going to give you $200,000 to buy a house that's only worth $170,000. They're not going to do it. You have two options. You can either go to the seller and ask them to reduce. Well, technically, you have three options. You can go to the seller, ask the seller to reduce the price to what the bank's appraisal appraised that. You can walk away because that viably gives you a reason to walk away. This is why you do not waive your contingencies Mm -hmm. because basically is saying, I can't get funding for this house, so I can't purchase it, which gives you the ability to back out because you're, I don't want to get too technical, but when you're purchasing the house, you tell them you're going to buy it with funding. So if you don't have the with funding part, I can't buy it. So you have a viable reason to get out of it. Or you can take your own funds and you can fill the gap, the appraisal gap yourself and bring 30,000 additional dollars of your own to fill that gap. Me personally, I do not recommend that. Right. That's 30000 additional dollars of yours, and you're cutting out your wealth that you're purchasing this house to build, walking in. You're going to have to work or pay, make extra payments or do something to try to make up that money. Right. So these are the things you want to think about when you are purchasing. How much did it appraise for? Are you going to take on the appraisal gap or are you going to back out? So it kind of goes back to what you said, Renee, who cares about the cabinets and so what it got an island in the kitchen? It's your house. You can put an island in the kitchen. It's yours. Mm-hmm. You can change the color, the cabinet, the the knobs on the, the cabinet, everything, because it's your property. Don't fall in love with some cabinets and a kitchen island and cost yourself thousands of dollars. Exactly. And it's always a trade-off. So 
Yeah. If you're purchasing a home and you're spending more or you're spending close to your budget, just remember that the more you spend on this home, you're giving something else up in order to get this home. And that is something you definitely want to think about. And I just want to add that we talked about the budget. We talked about ensuring that you create a budget that fits your quality of life. The other thing that I see that oftentimes people forget is they forget about retirement planning. They forget to add in that line item for retirement. Make sure that you have retirement in your budget. You're not trying to work forever. So ensure that you are saving for retirement and what you're saving for retirement is adequate. That's the other piece that I think is key. Mm. I think that that's a good point. A lot of people don't think about that. And as more money that you're spending on your mortgage, that is, that's less money you have to put towards your financial goals. Yep, absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. I think we gave some great nuggets, girl. I want to encourage people again to buy Nia's book, Life is Short, Buy the House, The Ultimate Guide to Prepare for Home Ownership. Great guide. Very good guide. And I'm not saying that just because I wrote it. <laughs> I put home buying terms you should know in the back. I put the 10 things because we didn't even get into the 10 things not to do while you're buying a house. Well, well, we why, well, well why don't you give them three? Let's give them three. Okay. So one thing is be mindful of large deposits because, again, just because you sent them your bank statements at the beginning of the process, you're going to have to send them again every 30 days. So mm -hmm. they're going to be watching your money like a hawk and they want to know who's coming in, who's going out and where did it come from? So making large deposits brings up a red flag and they're going to have questions Two, do not apply for anything. You can get your furniture after you move in. Do not go buy a car. I know it just broke down. Find a temporary solution <laughs> until you close because when you purchase that car, Regardless of not, if that payment has hit your um, credit or not, when they see the inquiry on your credit, they're going to ask you because they're going to check your credit up to closing. Don't mm -hmm. think because they're running your credit the first time, they're not going to run it again. I saw somebody right. put a graphic online the other day about buying a house and said you get your credit run rust. No, you don't. No, they you run don't. your credit before you close because they want to make sure nothing changed and if you got an inquiry from a car dealership they're going to ask you to give a letter of explanation to say why you did that inquiry then they're going to ask you if any new debt came as a result of it and if you say yes they're going to want to know how much because they're now going to add that to your debt to income ratio which will lower the amount of house that you qualify for and could possibly make you lose your home loan so you want to be mindful of that the next thing is changing jobs now if you're changing jobs to make more money you might be okay with that because you're making more money so that's making you more comfortable in the house it's still something you want to discuss with your lender before making a jump like that but if you change jobs, completely different industry, and your income drops or you, you quit your job, you, you're going to have a problem getting your home loan because everything you did was based on the income that you had. And now that you don't have that much income, which means now you qualify for less home, you might not qualify for your home anymore. So you have to think about how every action that you take and, me, and think about it from this perspective. If you were somebody, if somebody asked you for $100, then they're supposed to pay you back. 
you're going to think about how they can pay you back. If you know there's somebody who's not working, don't have a job, and no way of paying you back, and you know they never paid anybody else back, would you want to still give them the money? Yeah. That's how the bank is looking at you. They're giving you way more than $100. So they want to know, can you pay it back? Did you pay the other people back? They just want to know how your habits are, and they use that to determine the likelihood that you're going to pay them back. That's really all they want to know. Right, exactly. They're running a business. And that's the, the bottom line. And so if you want to know the other seven tips that she gave, you got to buy the book. <laughs> got to get the book. Now, Nia, do you have any other uh, any other tools that we're going to be adding into the show notes? So I actually have a free home buying guide. So those five tips and steps that I talked about in preparing for home ownership, I have a home buying guide that kind of talks a little bit more about them. And they come with a video for each step to nice. tell you how to actually do it. And it's just a free video, completely free. It doesn't cost anything, but just a resource for you to start seeing how real it is in these home buying streets. Absolutely. Nia, where can the listeners find you on social? You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Money Perspectives, Money Perspectives. You can find me on TikTok and YouTube, Nia's Perspectives, no apostrophe, just Nia's Perspectives. I drop down to earth money and home buying tips for women seeking financial stability. Okay, excellent. Is that the best place for them to contact you? Do you have a contact number or something we can include in the show notes? Oh, you can put my website, www.perspectiveschange.com. Perfect. All right, Nia, you have educated us today. Thank you so much. I hope that the listeners feel like they have some great tips so they can go out here and approach their home buying process from a point of confidence and clarity. Exactly. And that's my hope. I want to create financially savvy and educated homeowners. Thank you, Nia. <laughs> Take care now. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey there, listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you learned something new or that you were inspired. And if so, please share it with your friends and your family. And don't forget to provide us with a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. And as always, thank you for your time. And remember that building wealth, it is more about spending less and investing the rest. Until next time, go be great today.